Welcome to the AWS Health Innovation Podcast, where you can learn from entrepreneurs and investors who are driving progress in healthcare and life science across the globe. I'm your host, Joe Schunkweiler, a physician and former health tech executive now supporting startups and investors at Amazon Web Services. Today, I'm joined by Dr. George Church and Bhargavi Govindrajan, co-founders of Digiday, a company creating a seamless, affordable, DNA-first decision-making platform. Dr. Church is a pioneer in the world of synthetic biology and professor of genetics at Harvard Medical School, as well as professor of health sciences and technology at Harvard and the Massachusetts Institute of Technology. Bhargavi is a seasoned technologist and the CEO of Digidate. Dr. Church and Bhargavi discuss how technology, innovation, and education can come together in a single product, to what extent users need to understand a complex technology to use it effectively, and how basic science researchers can leverage startups to speed the time to making a massive impact on the world. Enjoy. Dr. George Church, Bhargavi Govindrajan, thanks for joining me today. Thank you. Uh, to start off, what, is, what does Digidate do? Thanks for having us here, Joe. Um, so Digidate, uh, as we see it, is a global genomic advocacy platform. Um, as you know, many, many people in the audience may be well aware, um, George's life's work has been in reducing the cost of whole genome sequencing. And if you look at it from the systems perspective, um, the, the weakest link is, is apparently, as we have, we have experienced, not just the cost. There is, there, is a, there is a large barrier to adoption that we envision breaking down. So one way to look at it is um, at Digidate, we would consider ourselves successful if in the next decade or so, we can power the whole genome sequencing of every human on this planet. And we're using two quite complementary um, and, and both salient approaches to, to accomplish this, this task. One is advocacy and genomic literacy via um, a social council comprising of luminary uh, content creators on the internet. And, and secondly, uh, technological innovation via a series of embedded APIs or very context sensitive decision support that we can provide, um, DNA driven decision support that we can provide to our uh, you know, partners products and services. I love an audacious goal uh, and that's no small mission to do the universal sequencing. I love that. I'm curious, could you give us just a, a hint of where that audacious goal comes from? Like how does, how does something like Digidate come together? Um, I know Dr. Church, you have a, a wealth of experience. You're a real luminary in the field, but I'm, can you give me some of the origin story? I'd love to hear that, how that came together. Yeah, so uh, I came into uh, reading and writing genomes, RNA and protein as well, uh, as, as a graduate student, uh, and dreamed of ways of converting very expensive, uh, in some cases completely inaccessible and non-existent uh, methodology into something preventative. So in, inherited infectious diseases struck me as really prime for switching from uh, you know, costly million dollar orphan drug um, 
solutions to uh, preventative by, by sequencing. So, so a lot of our environment uh, and in, in inherits, uh, inherited genetics is, suitable, is subject to the, the low cost. And we brought down the cost from about $3 billion now to $300. So about 20 million fold uh, if you count both chromosomes. So, so then the question is how to get people to get equitable and it's equitable because it's cheap, but easy access the way that we have easy access to technologies like GPS. We don't need to, each person doesn't have to understand all the software and all the intricacies, of the atomic clocks and everything. They just uh, um, have an easy app. Yeah, that makes, that makes total sense. And I love the GPS analogy as sort of the trend line for this technology and the, the interaction with that technology. So Bargavi, where did, where did you come into this? Uh, I know this is, uh, you know, Dr. Church has a, um, an, an established mission in this, but you're not, you're not from the life science uh, biotech space originally, are you? I am not, which I, I think is an advantage in this case, every, every which way you see it. So uh, I am an engineer and uh, for the most part of my career, I have built products in the tech space, um, software products that have been used by tens of millions of students and scientists during my uh, career at MathWorks. Uh, prior to Digidate, I was at uh, Actifio building out their cloud data backup business leading up to the acquisition by Google. Um, along the way, I did go to Harvard University, uh, obtained a master's degree in technology, innovation, and education. Actually, that phrase, technology, innovation, and education, summarizes our path at Digidate pretty well. Um, it, it actually makes my, you know, that, 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 that's really what gets me going here because of the deeply impactful solutions that we're developing for widely applicable problems, right? It's a, um, I need to come in as a systems engineer versus a life science specialist or uh, a software developer. And, and that, that sort of what I think really complements each other in our journey. I've often found that coming from outside the healthcare space, but with a healthy respect for it is the most fertile way to actually innovate and educate and do all those things because you're not bound by uh, all the limitations that came before you. And if you can learn from that and not say, oh, that's the way we do it, that could be a really powerful tool. And it seems like you've really harnessed that with your, your mission and, and your uh, leadership at Digidate. One question I have is, what's the tipping point here? Like, what leads you to found Digidate now versus ten years ago versus five years from now? Like, what's the what's the why now answer for for, for this company? Well, there's a number of things that have de-risked it uh, and, and increased the the value. So the Orphan Drug Act. Uh, was wonderful and 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 uh, but it did result in the most expensive treatments in history, millions of dollars over a lifetime. Uh, so this was this was not going to scale well to the whole world or even to the United States. Uh, so the cost of orphan drugs was one tipping point event. The other was the cost was on an exponential, and so uh, after very few years on an exponential, you cross a threshold where it's uh, low enough, <clears throat> low enough that it that uh, that you can get a tenfold return on investment. Um, technology was much friend friendlier than ever before. 
you, you could have very simple apps that, that allow you to be transparent uh, without uh, exposing the, the user to full um, complexity. Um, so these were a few of the things that, that uh, resulted in, in, in interest in founding it. Also just the, 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 the need for saving you know, trillions of dollars and lots of pain and suffering uh, seemed to be bottlenecked at uh, communication, uh, simple apps that, that uh, maintain transparency uh, and things like that. So it seemed it really is the right the right time for this. Uh, I don't know exactly what month it will be, but there is a tipping point uh, right around the corner. One thing to to piggyback on uh, on what George said is also Joe, as someone in AWS, you you probably will attest to the fact that knowledge can travel pretty quickly today, more than any other time in history, and. Um, it's 2022, if there is an avoidable problem that you still face just because you didn't know or because you know, technologies that you rely on didn't know better, um, it's just blasphemy. And, and you know, we don't know when we will uh, be able to say that will never happen, but we're gonna try and keep trying and create that fabric for everyone to write on. You alluded to this earlier, how dependent are you on users actually understanding the underlying technology? And, and I will, my own bias in this is, I think, more in line with where you are, uh, where having come from clinical medicine, there's so much of the mechanics or some of the basic science for the tests that are ordered every day in a hospital by a physician or any other clinician that are mostly a black box or in the recesses of somebody's brain somewhere from a board exam. But I'm curious with this, as you get much closer to the, to the end user, so to speak, um, are you dependent on them understanding these or to what level are you dependent on them understanding these sometimes complex principles? I think it's important that uh, they not need to understand, but they be they can have access to the understanding if they choose to. So we see this all the time in medicine is that some patients will come in having read everything you can read about it. Uh, and even, you know, with a dictionary, go and look up all the medical terms, uh, sometimes coming in more well-informed than their uh, primary care physician. But mo for most people, even those people, you want to make it as intuitive as possible, uh, and as safe as possible. So, so, you know, I think even uh, jet pilots don't necessarily understand all the intricacies of how a jet engine is engineered, but they know that but they have a very simple, relatively simple interface that they can fly with. Uh, with vaccines, we, we, we made an amazing inroad into smallpox before we even understood virology or immunology. So I, I think even the experts uh, are not uh, don't necessarily have to know uh, all the details, but at some point there has to be some significant quality control and testing. That's what the FDA is about, you know, testing um, both diagnostics and therapeutics to make sure that they're safe, effective, and <clears throat> don't make claims beyond what they what they know to be a fact. So I th I think it's very important that that it, it keep keep the interface simple, but if people want to dig, it should be transparent. As, as you described that, I think there are many technological analogs for that 
you know, video conferencing, email, any of those things. Um, you don't have to understand the series of tubes, you know, to utilize it effectively and even build businesses and, and, and really impactful things on top of that. It's more of, as you said, making the toolkit approachable and, and leverageable in that way. So one thing I wanted to add is we asked ourselves this question, uh, how dependent are we, uh, right, in, in users understanding what genome is, what whole genome sequencing is, the differences, et cetera. And, and it, you know, learning from sort of like past experiences of other companies that have that have taken this path to, to try and get people sequenced, to try and uh, tout the value of, of the genome and the decisions they make, et cetera, we realized that you know, we can probably innovate in the business model. Uh, you know, think for example, the, the COVID vaccine campaigns that were effective, uh, you know, what if we get our social council and our, you know, uh, our, our stakeholder partners to break it down in various ways to various segments. And really that is where, you know, on one part, you know, embedding, embedding uh, technology and APIs into other software and services is one path. So really sort of riding on, on the, on the, social platforms that have wide global reach today where, you know, no one person can achieve this, but, you know, the aggregate voice can accomplish what we think is required to the, to the extent necessary can get us through phase one, which is having consumers believe that there is value to getting sequenced and then kind of, you know, a bulk of our work begins. It, you've, you, you touched on one thing that I'm really interested in for your model as a business. Uh, if I understand correctly, you're focusing on partnerships and how you uh, supply that insight into other platforms, other companies. Um, is that right? Yes. From the beginning, in fact, one of the first meetings George and I had, uh, George said, this company is going to be a very simple, this is about innovating the business model. This is about creating partnerships because I told him, George, I don't know a thing about genomics, which thankfully I've, you know, learned along the way and, you know, given myself uh, uh, an arts education, like George calls it, <laughs> but, uh, but uh, you know, the, we, we, from the beginning, our strategy was to, to collaborate and, and not compete with the ecosystem, uh, you know, with our, um, uh, so to speak, audacious goal of filling the white space in every conceivable vertical possible. George, you can kind of, you know, chime in and add other other things that uh, you had in mind. Even with our dating uh, use case that that really sort of um, uh, interested people who want right. to hear the story, uh, we envisioned kind of working with everyone that was already providing the service and doing what we think we can do best in that ecosystem which is build privacy aware, safe and secure APIs that make it uh, almost um, uh, uh, you know, invisible in some cases, but you know, in, in, in the spirit of equitable access, um, but you know, reliable and, and safe from a you know, false positive kind of a situation. Is that, you said this was sort of the vision from the beginning. It was always gonna be a partnership focused endeavor. Is there anything else in the health and wellness space that you look to and say, oh, that's the kind of model that we're thinking about and, or even outside of health and wellness? You know, is there a, you know, is there a North Star from a business model perspective? Um, I know investors often like to 
reduce the startup world to the insert company name for X, you know, is, is there something like that that you've thought of? And it's, it's okay, obviously, if not, because I think you're doing something really innovative, but I'm curious just as you, you think through this on the business model side. We want to collaborate with sequencing companies that I help start uh, because they've, they've solved that problem. They know how to produce the technology and deliver it, uh, but they need the customers. Um, we aren't going to compete with dating companies because if you, as you start moving things forward earlier and earlier, it becomes uh, less and less expensive and, and less negatively impactful if it's, if it's off a little bit. So, so that's what led us to earlier than uh, post-conception to pre-conception, pre-marital dating. Um, so, 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 we're, so we're inspired by those, but we're not competing with them, we're co collaborating with them. And finally, there's, there's somewhere, with the entire process has been evaluated, not with quite so much cooperation, but uh, which is Doria Shareem. They, they've been showing since the 1980s that you can deliver this uh, value and you can completely eliminate or 90 plus percent eliminate very serious genetic diseases like uh, Tay-Sachs. Um, it's just that it, 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 it's a great role model for us, but it's, it's, we have to solve the problem of why it's limited such a tiny uh, sector of society, why it, its model should apply to all of society, but maybe there's slightly different uh, changes in education, outreach, playfulness, whatever it is that it takes to get this uh, um, translated from a, a couple million people to billions of people. And, and I want to make that reference to the, the vaccine campaign again, right, Joe, because what, you know, in order to sort of realize that vision of what George said, which, hey, something that worked, where we were able to mask complexity and create impact within a small community, how do we now take it out to the larger world, right? How do we now chase after this, this goal of powering uh, sequencing for billions of people on the planet? The epiphany for us was how are we going to reach those billions of people? It's going to take the whole village, you know, just like the, the you know, in, in, in record time, we were able to, uh, you know, uh, roll out, uh, you know, countries were able to cooperate and roll out vaccine campaigns because everyone participated. And that's, that's, I derive a lot of inspiration from that. And I think to truly close the consumption gap with molecular tools, 100%, uh, you know, we would need the, the, I will, I will answer your question about the business model, a quota meet masterclass kind of a business model where you have the concierge style on demand personalized response, but ones that you hear through reliable, you know, voices that you already trust, but then we want to make it free. So. Yeah, I like that. Uh, that's a, that's a very uh, talk about innovative, but also uh, instructive. So I like that. Um, Bargavi, you 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 mentioned this this the moment we're in right now, where the ambient knowledge, let's say, about um, these things that nobody was talking about before, and were not part of the general discourse. So you know, antigens and polymerase chain reaction and all these tooling. And it sometimes I, having come from the, the sciences, at least on the clinical side, thinking back on that, I think it's really funny to read a USA Today or front page news article that just in, you know, blithely mentions PCR and people know what that is. This is like college level biology or AP biology in high school kind of thing. Is that 
do you think that's going to have a lasting impact? And if so, what do you, how do you bake that in for, for Digidate and, and your roadmap and vision for the, the product and the, uh, and the company? I think it does, Joe. Um, I, will, I will let George answer that from a scientific, what that means for the research community and for the scientific community. But from, from a consumer lens, from the audience, I think the word safety now has, has uh, you know, expanded to include aspects of health. Right? Um, I believe today it is imperative for any product or service providers worldwide to address immediate or lasting impact of, of health safety in whatever it is that they do. Um, and I think that that's here to stay. It, it certainly gives us a, a pedestal. It bolsters our voice when, when what, what we were saying all along is that there are tiny decisions that you make you know, outside of the clinical transactional, you know, episodic uh, 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 sessions with your healthcare provider that have an impact on your health. How are you going to, you know, learn about yourself? How are you going to bake that knowledge into the actions that you do? And I think it gives gives us that that little push um, uh, further that that we will use to advance in our mission. But George, um, you know, I'm, I'm sure this means more for the scientific community and as well, right? Not, not just the, the, main, the, the audience that the mainstream media caters to. Yeah, I think we, the, from a science standpoint, we, we do have the attention of the public, a large fraction of it. Uh, they, they think about um, cost, they think about the kind of medicine as being cost-effective and, and really impacting them. You know, this may not last forever, but we certainly, there's, it's going to be a while before we forget this. It's like it was a, it took a while to forget the lessons of the 1918 flu uh, epidemic. Uh, so, we, you know, we're thinking about things like, well, we've taken things like gene therapy and brought them down to $2 a dose. That's amazing. We have diagnostics where, you know, it used to be, you, you couldn't convince your physician to do any kind of diagnostics. You know, you might go for years without getting a diagnostic. Now you're getting them every day in some cases. Um, so the, the cost completely changes the, the discussion. And now people start thinking it as part of their daily life because it's no longer uh, unimaginably expensive or inconvenient. So I think this will have a lasting impact. There's, it's just like there's no turning back from smartphones. There's probably no turning back from uh, prevented this kind of preventative medicine discussion that we're having simple, a simple mask can, um, you know, it's just a little bit of education and you can have a huge impact. Dr. Churchill, if you'll permit me to get philosophical for a moment, I'm curious, you know, it, you are, um, famous for, for spinning out companies, um, of all different kinds, um, and have for a while now, why spin out companies into the private sector? What, what does that allow you to do? that's complementary to your research work and why not just maintain that in the lab as a research project? Yeah, when I was uh, starting as a student, you really had to choose between whether you can do pure science or having something of uh, societal impact. Um, the, the, you know, fast forward to today and uh, we can do both uh, and typically try to do both. When we pick a, a project, we want it to be, you know, really exciting, pure science, but also have a, a big uh, societal benefit. Um, leveraging the exponential technologies that we have, you know, where we can 
change technology by 20 million fold in both in quality and cost. Um, so, so that's sometimes called translation, translating from the pure science to the, to the bedside or to the commercial. It really to get that translation, get it out of the ivory tower and the stodgy journals into everyday life um, really requires, um, you know, startups. Um, and Bhargavi, I'd love to give you the final word here. What, what advice do you have um, to other founders who are leveraging emerging um, health technology, biotechnology, things that are really at the cutting edge of what people are able to do now? Well, from my experience, anything that you, good outcomes, good things don't come easy. And health technology amongst various things that I have done before, I have found is inherently complicated just because there is, there is an entire ecosystem to consider and multiple facets that need to be you know, moved in order for you to see the envisioned solution play out. So one thing that I have um, equipped myself with, which again, I'm kind of sharing and continuously sort of getting better at and sharing as advice to other founders would be to um, context switch efficiently between lo a long-term lens that accounts for the whole ecosystem and then the short-term lens that you need to uh, you know, measure progress against, whether it is to tackle against competition or to, to chart a path to revenue or, or simply to feel good about yourself as a founder so you can move on to the next day and exist as a company. So I certainly think one skill worth toiling for is, is the ability to context switch. Um, in fact, it's not too shabby if you're, if you're juggling other things too, like being a parent or a, or a spouse. And I think we have the guru of context switching before us. Uh, it, it, it. <laughs> I love it. It's, it's the parent analogy definitely resonates these days. So um, I appreciate that. Um, Dr. George Church, Bargavi, Govind Rajan, thanks for joining me today. Thank, Thank you. you so much for having us. Jim. If you enjoyed the show, please leave us a review and rating. It helps others find us. To learn more about how AWS supports startups, please go to aws.amazon.com slash startups. <laughs>